All right, hopefully you're in the book of Proverbs, and uh, we are going to read one verse only, uh, but that's not the only verse we're going to talk about, but that's the verse we're going to, it's a gateway, it's a gateway to the book of Proverbs, so if you want to stand, I'm going to read one verse of Proverbs, Proverbs 1-7, and then uh, I'll probably read it a couple times, that makes me feel like we got a bigger scripture than we do, so, uh, and then we'll pray and we'll get started, all right, Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let me read that again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Father, we thank you for this book. Um, It's so intensely practical and just touches the, all the the various circumstances and problems and struggles and difficulties and questions of our lives. And Father, we ask um, that through this series, God, that you would just awaken our hearts, make them moldable and open, God, to wisdom, and that you'd give us this wisdom that brings life, that brings success, that brings victory, that brings blessing, that brings happiness. God, please give us that. Uh, God, I pray that you'd stir our hearts to obey you this morning. Father, we need you. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So guys, if you've been here the last year and a half, um, I, 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 there couldn't be, well, there probably is, but the book of Matthew and the book of Proverbs are really different, okay? So, so if you've been with us the last year and a half, maybe you started coming to church here at Lincoln Avenue about a year and a half ago, and I was just starting the, the series on Matthew, and that's kind of all your experience with the preaching. Um, this is going to be a, a change, a big change, okay? So Matthew is a gospel, okay? Now what a gospel is, is a gospel is a narrative of Jesus' life. So you got four of them in your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We just finished Matthew, so a year and a half, basically looking at the birth of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the 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 trial of Jesus, the uh, the death of Jesus, the burial, the resurrection, and his final commission to the church. Right, that's that's where we've been the last year and a half. Okay, the book of Proverbs is an incredibly different kind of biblical book. They're both inspired. Uh, they're both the 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 truth of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. But the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Okay, it's a book of wisdom. So basically describing it as a whole, you've got the first couple chapters that basically are the gateway to wisdom, all right? It's, it's how you ought to approach the book, why you ought to want it, how bad you ought to want it. Okay, those are the first chapters, all right? And then from then on, it's what I call a machine gun, all right? It's just like, it's just peppering you with, with a variety of of circumstances and situations of life in which you can act wisely, okay? What is the wise thing? What is the unwise thing, all right, in each of those circumstances of life? So you have a variety of topics. You have a variety of situations. Um, you have uh, you have things on money. You have truth on sex and marriage and the words you speak and pride and anger and relationships and debt and diligence and family and friendships and children and discipline and poverty and riches and conflict. And, and Proverbs speaks to all of those areas and to how to live wisely in those situations, okay? 
Um, this is probably a bad way to describe it, but I kind of think of Proverbs as the Twitter of the Bible, okay? So if you, if you know what Twitter is, if you've been on Twitter, Twitter is, you know, these, these little 130 characters. So you got like a sentence or two of people's opinion and well, their, their thoughts there, okay? The, the only difference between Twitter and, and the book of Proverbs is Twitter is mostly wrong and Proverbs is all right, okay? So th- those are the, the only difference, all right? They, they both address a variety of subjects, okay, in a variety of ways. But what you have with Proverbs, you have the actual kind of truth and, and wisdom of God, okay? So when we talk about wisdom, so, so this verse says, um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, so it's saying that, that the fear of the Lord is the gateway to knowledge, wisdom, and instruction, all right? Now, now the, the book of Proverbs is going is to say the word wisdom over and over and over and over and over again, okay? It's, it's the primary topic of, of what it describes. Now, how would you define wisdom, okay? Now, now let, me, let me first of all talk about what wisdom does, okay? I think of wisdom as being the skill to succeed, all right, in, in all the various areas of life. So, so in other words, if you need wisdom as a parent, okay, then what you're essentially saying is, God, I need skills, right? You know, to, to be a wise parent is to basically say, I've, I've, got a, I've got a set of skills here that enables me to succeed at raising children, okay? If you, if you need wisdom in, uh, in a conflict situation, there's a bunch of Proverbs that's about conflict, all right? When tempers are high and you got one person that's angry and another person that's angry, right? And so, so if, you, if you say, I'm, I'm, I want to be wise in that, what, what you're saying is, I want to know what particular skills, right, do I, do I need that will enable me to succeed in that situation? Okay, so that's kind of what Proverbs does. Proverbs is, is the skill, the, the, the skills you need to succeed in particular situations of life. Now, if you want my definition, which I don't know if you do or not, but I get to talk up here, which is a great thing about being a preacher, so I'm going to give you mine, all right? And by the way, this will probably change by next week, okay? So I kind of worked on this this week, uh, and, but I, it's not perfect at all. But here's my definition of wisdom that I'm going with as of right now, Okay. Here's my definition of wisdom. Wisdom is knowing and loving the heart of God and the truth of God so that in the complicated and manifold situations of life, we can act in ways that please God and bless people. Okay, that's my, for now, definition of wisdom. Let me read it again. Wisdom is knowing and loving the heart of God and the truth of God so that in the complicated and manifold situations of life, we can act in ways that please God and bless people. In other words, wisdom is a formula for living a successful life. Okay, that, that's not my opinion. I mean, when you read through Proverbs, he's going to say that over and over again. Do you want to live? Do you want happiness? Do you want to be blessed? Do you, you want to prosper? He's going to say a variety of things like that. Then live this way. Act this way. Have this heart. Think this way. Love these things. Okay, so that, that, that's, that's, that's what Proverbs is all about. It's about, it's about this the way to live a successful life, okay? Now, here's where we gotta be careful. Who's the judge of what a successful life is, okay? Now, you know what? When you, when you look around our world, you're gonna find a lot of different opinions about what is a successful life. In fact, you know what you're gonna find? You're gonna find actually a whole other category of wisdom that is not in the book of Proverbs, okay? You're gonna find a whole other category of skills and ways to live 
that is not at all in the book of Proverbs. So let, me, let, me give you, let me give you the proof of that, okay? So in James, which, by the way, James is the New Testament book that is very much the equivalent of Proverbs in the Old Testament. In James, you have, you have this, this, this paragraph, okay? So James says this. He says, uh, in verse 13, he talks about the meekness of wisdom. And then in verse 14, he says, but if you have jeal- bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Whoa, 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 did you hear that? James is saying there's a type of wisdom that is earthly, okay? In other words, it, it comes from our selfish desires. It comes from our flesh. There's a type of wisdom that's unspiritual. There's a type of wisdom that's actually demonic, right? So there, there's, there's a way of thinking about life. There's a way of thinking about parenting and relationships and conflict and money and, and, and pride. There's a way of thinking about all that that the world's gonna say, man, that is wise. But James says, no, that is demonic. Right, so, so there's actually, we gotta be careful because when you talk about a successful life, well, it, it depends on who are you asking about what success is. Let me give you the, the most radical example I could think of, okay? Hugh Hefner, all right? Now, in many ways, the world says Hugh Hefner lived a successful life, okay? Um, let, me, let me tell you why. Hugh Hefner had these skills to make money. That guy did. You can't argue with that. I don't, there's not any other way you can argue with that. That guy had the skills to make money. Uh, developed uh, the whole magazine, the Playboy Enterprise Industry Magazine. And he had the skills to make money. He had the skills to build things, right? Build companies, build mansions. Um, he had the skills to be famous, right? Almost everybody knows who he is. Almost everybody knows his business, all right? He had, he had, he had the skills to surround himself with beauty. He had the skills to somehow attract and appeal to people to use them for his own purposes. I mean, this guy had skills, but I can't imagine Imagine a man who failed bigger at life than he did. Like, like when I read the book of Proverbs, when I read my Bible, Hugh Hefner failed at almost every, I mean, I guess I can't speak for every, but, but everything I can see, he failed at life, monumentally, colossally, right? And yet he had a type of wisdom. Does that make sense? And, and so, so we, we have to be careful about what, when we think about what is success. All right. Now, how are we defining our our definition of success? Well, you know what? We are defining it by Jesus. All right. So in Colossians chapter two, listen what he says. Colossians chapter two. um, I'm going to begin reading in verse two just to get a run at this. He says that their hearts may be encouraged by being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. Listen to this, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Did you hear what he said? He said, in Jesus are hidden, are packed, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All right, so, so Jesus, Jesus' life is the definition of success. All right, Jesus lived in a way. He, he approached life in a way. He handled situations in a, in, in a way that was absolutely a success and the Father confirms that. Jesus is wise, okay? So that, that's going to be our definition of successful life, all right? Now, 
How do we get there, okay? Now, my temptation was just to jump right in, right? Um, I was going to jump right in, and I was just going to pick a topic. That's what we're going to do next week. We'll probably do something having to do with parenting since it's Father's Day next week. Um, But I was just going to jump right in, right? There's a bunch of them. Anger, the words you speak, parenting, marriage, money, uh, laziness. I mean, there's all all these topics in Proverbs that we're going to cover over the next two months. So my, 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 my temptation was to jump right in. But if we, if we jump right in without the foundation, without the door, it won't do us any good, okay? Here's, here's why I know. It, it's not just hearing wise things that makes you wise. Would you believe that there are people in this world who are cratering their life? They are destroying their lives, and yet they have heard true things over and 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 over again. Hey, absolutely. What's wrong? Like, like why, would somebody, why, why would somebody keep destroying their life, keep making horrible decisions, keep making unwise practices, keep doing unwise things when they're told better, when they're instructed? And when, why would they do that? Well, because there, there's, there's, a, there's a door that you have to go through. Okay, there, there's a... There's an entrance into wisdom, and th- this is it, okay? So are you, are you ready? This is, the, this is the doorway, okay? You can't, you, can't, you can't get to wisdom until you get here. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. All right, so here, here's, here's the beginning. The beginning is the fear of the Lord, all right? So in other words, if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you're not going to get to wisdom, Okay? You can hear it, but you're not going to embrace it. It's not going to sink in. You're not going you're, you're to have it. Okay, So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. One of the things that, that I love about that is that wisdom does not start with me. You know, in, in America, particularly in our culture, we have this idea that my convictions and my feelings and my, my thoughts, that they're like somehow, like they matter. Like they're somehow, I guess matter is a wrong word. They're somehow authoritative, <laughs> you know? It's like, well, I think this about this. Well, that might be completely wrong, you know? Uh, it, it doesn't, all right? It starts with God. It starts with, not just as it start with God, it starts with the fear of God. Wisdom begins with knowing God and fearing Him appropriately. Now, I say fearing Him appropriately because there's a wrong kind of fear and there's a right kind of fear. Okay, now, when we say the fear of God, when the Bible talks about the fear of God, it's actually not talking about the kind of fear of when you, when you, when you approach something evil and dangerous and want to get away from it. It's not that kind of fear. So if I'm at a restaurant and I hear, there's a shooter. I'm at a restaurant with my family and I hear, there's a shooter. There's a, you know, whatever. You know what I'm doing? I'm looking for a way to get away from that guy, right? To get my family away from him, okay? I think that's what most of you would do, right? That's a scary thing. That's a terrifying thing, right? So we would, we would, most of us in here would be like, how do I get away from him, okay? There's a few of you that would be like, I've been waiting for this day all my life. Yeah, I know there's a couple of you guys. We're not, you got different issues, okay? But most of us, like, like we're gonna be like, how do I get away, right? How do I get my family and get them away? There's a, right, that, that's not the fear of the Lord. Okay, is it, when you, to fear God is not to be like, ah, you know, his wrath and his justice and his, ah, I got to get away from it. No, no, it's not that. The fear of the Lord is, is more like, this is a great illustration for me, just because you know I love this. It's more like approaching the Grand Canyon. Okay, now, now when I approach the Grand Canyon, I get close to that rim, and I get that peak of that 6,000-foot drop to the Colorado River, okay? I don't want to run away. That is not my, that's not my reflex is to be like, I got to get as far away from this as I can. You, you know what my actual desire is? 
I want to see it. I want to see it, but but I, I approach cautiously. I approach carefully. I, I approach with reverence, okay? Reverence in the sense of, dude, we're taking this serious here, all right? In fact, here, here would be my analogy. I, I actually, and this, this literally, I actually, I'm going to get low, okay? Now, at the Grand Canyon, I didn't get down on my belly, but I have before. Uh, Hannah and I were summoning a 14,000-foot peak in Colorado called Humboldt. And as you go up, uh, Humboldt has a kind of a false summit. It's kind of a kind of knife edge that rolls over. It's a false summit. And, and it's got a place that kind of rolls over. And, and you can actually get there and you can look thousands. I don't know, it's a couple thousand foot drop down. And you're, there's nothing under you, okay? Now, when, when, I, when we were going up that deal, I saw it. And the first thing I did was I said, told Hannah, I said, whoa, careful, you know? And then you know what I did? I approached. I want to see it, Right? And I got closer, and I got down on my knees, okay? And I approached a little further, and I got down on my hands. And by the time I got to the edge, no joke, I was on my belly. I was on my belly with my phone out. I, I got the video if you want to watch it. Now, I was on my belly, and I got my phone out. And I army crawled up there on my belly, and I stuck, peeked that over with my camera, and I took a little video. That's the way you ought to approach God. Like, you ought, you ought to want to see more. You ought, you ought to want what He has. But you're not going to come up flippantly. You're not going to come up carelessly. You're not going to come up boisterously, pridefully. No, you're, you're going you're to come up with great awe and great respect. That, that's the fear of the Lord. Okay, so here, here's what it is. The fear of the Lord is a posture, okay? Like a lot of people that think of it as a command, you're like, well, how do I obey that command? You know, what do I do? Ah, you know, okay, now I've, I've obeyed the command. No, no, it's, it's a posture of heart. This is why some people will read Proverbs Man, their life will be changed. They will have success in life. Like they'll have success in their parenting, in their marriage, in their relationships, and their man, it'll it'll be life changing. Other people will read Proverbs. Nothing. You know the difference? Fear of the Lord. See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the beginning of knowledge. It's, it's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of instruction. So, so the fear of the Lord is approaching God in this reverence and awe and wonder, knowing that he's not to be trifled with. He's not to be treated flippantly or carelessly or recklessly. It's the posture that opens you up to the wisdom of God. Now, how do we cultivate the fear of God in our lives? Well, there's really only one way. You've got to see him, okay? You've got to see him. You've got to see his bigness. You've got to see his glory. You've got to see his awesomeness, right? So, so like when I open up to Isaiah... Uh, Isaiah 50, 10, it says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Who is it? Who does? Okay? And then listen to the rest of it. Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Okay, now remember in the Bible, the name of the Lord, that's his character. That's who he is. That's his attributes. That's his, his characteristics. Right, and so, so the Bible's saying, who is it that fears of the Lord? It's the one who, who trusts in the attributes of God. All right, so here's, here's, here's the way that you would cultivate a fear of God. First of all, you would begin to marvel at who he is. When's the last time you marveled at God? When's the last time you marveled at his, his love and his grace and his mercy? When's the last time you, you just were thankful? I hope you're going to say today, Pastor, we were just singing about it, and I just marveled today that God would stoop 
and that he would choose a wretch like me and draw me into his family and send his son to be butchered on a cross to die for my sins so I could be adopted. Man, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Adopted into his family to be his son and to have his righteousness and to be an heir with Christ and to live with him forever. When have you, when's the last time you just marveled that that's who God is? But, but not just his love and grace and mercy and adoption and forgiveness and all those things that we celebrate. When's the last time you marveled at God's justice? You should, shouldn't you? Should, shouldn't, shouldn't you be in awe of the justice of God? Shouldn't you be in awe that, that there is one, or one being in this universe who is right, who is righteous, who is holy, who is blameless, and that one being says he will make all things right. He's going to make them all right. In Romans 12, 19, he says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Is it not awesome that God is going to right every wrong? He is perfectly to your satisfaction, okay? There will be nobody in heaven at the complaint department, okay? There'll be nobody in heaven at the complaint department saying, all right, I'm glad I'm here. Thanks for dying for me and everything. But my neighbor, remember all that stuff he did? Remember all that I had to put up with? Remember how he treated me? Remember what he said about me? God, you've not taken care of that to my satisfaction. It's not going to happen. It will not happen. Isn't that awesome? That God is just. He is just, he is holy, he is righteous. He says in Romans 12, vengeance is mine. In other words, God will make it right. He will make every injustice, every wrong, every act of violence and cruelty and pride, he will make them all right, either on the cross or in hell. But it's gonna be sufficient. He will not allow sin to reign. Think about this. Think about this. I mean, when you come to tonight's presentation, this truth is going to be really good, okay? Every murderer, every thief, liar, rapist, child abuser, swindler, slave trafficker, wife beater, drug dealer, persecutor, everyone will be held accountable for every wrong action and justice will be fully and completely and satisfactorily served either by the wrath of God poured out on his own son or the wrath of God poured out on the offender in hell forever. But I'm guaranteeing you, at the end of that, every tongue, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. There will be all but praise to God. Everyone will praise God. That's all there will be. Okay, marvel at that. You see what that should do in you? For the unbeliever in here, if you're the person that's like, hey, I'm going to make it on my own. I'm going to do my own good deeds. I don't need Jesus. I'm, I'm, man, I'm just going to make my own path, and me and God will have a deal. You ought to be terrified. You ought to be terrified that you're talking about a just God. You're talking about a God who sent his own son to die for you because that's the only way for heaven, and you're saying, I don't want him. I'll make my own way. You ought to be terrified of the horrors of hell that await you in the justice of God. But if you're a believer here today, you ought to marvel that you can approach this God. You, you ought to marvel that through the work of His Son, man, you can come to Jesus. You can come to God. You're welcome. 
In Hebrews chapter 4, you are welcome to the throne of God. He has put His own righteousness in you through His Son. And you are justified. Now, that kind of fear, it doesn't make you want to be away from God. It makes you want to be near to God. Let me give you a case study. How about that? Isaiah chapter 6, okay? This is cool because you get to see it happen, all right? You get to see Isaiah go from one kind of fear to the other kind of fear, okay? This, this is really neat, all right? Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood the seraphim, each having six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundation of the threshold shook, and the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, okay, here's Isaiah. He's seeing all this, and he knows he's a sinner. You know what he says now? Woe is me. I am lost. Woe is me, for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amidst the people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know what woe is me means? That means, man, I'm undone. I'm in trouble. It's over for me. That's what Isaiah's thinking. He's terrified. You know why? Because he's a sinner. He wants to hide. He wants to get away. Okay, but then look what happens. Verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having... In his hand, a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Wow. Isaiah just got forgiven. By, by God. By the altar. A, tong, a coal from the altar. And God has taken away Isaiah's iniquity. He's taken away his sin. That's what happens to a believer when you, get, when you put your faith in Christ. So now what? Now what? Is Isaiah flipping about that? Is Isaiah, hey, thanks a lot, God. I'll I'll, I'll catch you later. I got got some stuff I want to do. Look what happens. And I heard a voice. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, send me. Do you notice how moldable Isaiah is now? God just says, hey, I need somebody. I got a job. Isaiah's like, me. I'll go. That's a type of fear. That's a type of reverence. You know? When, when, when a little boy's daddy, when that little boy's daddy says, hey, get in the car. Okay? And you got one little boy that runs off after a squirrel. Okay? He says, I'm not ready. And you got another little boy that runs to the car. Which one fears his daddy? The one that runs to the car, right? All right, so that's the fear of the Lord. All right, that, that's what it means to fear him. Now, Sam Storms makes this great contrast between the fear of a convicted criminal who's standing before a judge and the fear of a child with his loving father. Let, let's, let's stick with that. Let, let some of you didn't have good dads. Maybe some of you never knew your dad. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I hate the brokenness of our world, and, and we have experience with that in our family. But I happen to have a great dad. Um, he was saved when, when I was eight years old. 
His life was completely transformed for Christ. He began living an obedient, faithful, worshiping life to the Lord. And I got to see all that. And, uh, and he was good to us. And, but so, so I have this, I have this just automatic picture when I hear fear of the Lord. I mean, it just makes sense to me because I never, ever was afraid that my dad would kill me. You know, like I, I never thought, man, dad's going to shoot me in my bed. Dad's going to knife me. Dad's going to sell me. You know, I never, I never felt like, I never, I never worried that my dad would do anything to harm me. But I respected my dad. My brothers and I had this healthy, healthy respect of our dad. Now, we were, we were, we were not great kids, okay? We were lost. Um, I was telling the other services, I, I remember in our church, my dad would have us come to church. We were teenage boys. We had this lady that sang horrible, you know, and, and we would... We would make fun, you know, and not, not like outwardly, not, but, you know, we'd have these little signs, you know, and stuff that we did. And my, my dad would catch us doing stuff like that. And he'd be sitting in the road with us, and he'd just look at us, you know. He'd look at us, and that's it, honestly. And, and if, it, if it went any further, he would just point, you know. And, and that was like enough. Like even as a little kid, that was enough just, just to bring me in line. And, and again, not in some oppressive way, not in some like, ah, dad's going to beat me afterward. I mean, that could have happened. But, but it was just like, hey, dad's talking. And we, man, we respect that. Like this guy, he's our dad. That's the fear of the Lord. Like, like it's not exactly, but, but you see what I'm saying? Like that, it's this healthy respect that we take him seriously. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13 is an interesting verse. It says, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. So, so the fear of the Lord is to hate what God hates. And there's an even more interesting verse, I think, in Proverbs 23, uh, verses 17 and 18, that, that says this. It says, let your heart not envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. So part of the fear of the Lord is when you look around the world and when you see people disobeying God, and they seem to be prospering. This is Psalm 73, by the way. You look around and you see people disobeying God. You see people not living in accordance with the Scriptures, but they seem to be having a blast, making lots of money, and succeeding. All right? You know what the fear of the Lord does? You don't envy that. You're like, why not? Look, look at the fun they're having. Look at the money they're making. Look at how good that is. Yeah, but, but I got God here, and he tells me that leads to death, and I believe him. See, that, that's what the fear of the Lord is. And he says it's the beginning of wisdom. Okay, so what does that mean? That means when you, when you have this healthy fear of God, your heart opens up to receive wisdom, okay? When you don't fear God, your heart closes, okay? And, and it doesn't matter who's talking to you, it doesn't sink in. It's because there's no humility there. There's no openness. There's no moldability, all right? And you end up like Proverbs 28, okay? Proverbs 28 verse uh, 14 says this, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity, you see, if you don't fear the Lord, you, you harden your heart. You harden it. And you're, you're not open to, to the instruction of God. Have you ever watched this happen? For some reason, this is almost more disturbing when it's happening to somebody else than when it's happening to me. Like, I think when it's happening to me, I, I, I can do something about it, you know? And I do quickly. But when it's happening to somebody else, like, there's just this uh, awkward kind of sadness. But, but when you've got a, a little, little boy, a little girl, and, and their daddy speaks to them in an authoritative way. And they offer a despising look and take off. There's something, do you know what I'm saying about unsettling about that? Like there's something just, 
I, I, and it's not like, like it's, it's, not, it's not embarrassing or anything like that. I mean, I, hey, I've been around enough kids to know it's going to happen to everybody, you know. But, but there's just something scary about that for the kid. You know, I, 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 it's just like I almost get a picture in my mind of fast forward 15 years. Oh, if that happens in 15 years, this is a disaster. This is like life and death. This is ruined lives. That's hard-heartedness. All right, so, so what, what, what is he saying here? What, what, are we, what are we getting in this first foundational message of Proverbs? What we're getting is, is that there's a posture of approaching God that opens up your life to correction. Now, opens up your life to wisdom. Now, when that happens, here, here's the deal. You start wanting it, okay? You start wanting it. You see, the, the difference between wisdom and fool is the fool actually doesn't care about wisdom, okay? Look at the rest of our verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Would you believe it that there's people that just don't care about wisdom? They don't care. They don't care about truth. They don't, they don't care. I, I can't tell you how many fifth and sixth grade boys, I've been teaching team kids, fifth and sixth grade boys for years now, and I can't tell you how many times that I've set them down and, and just like, like genuinely, I'm almost tearing up in my eyes as I'm talking to them. I'm like, guys, you can't live that way. That way leads to destruction. This way leads to life. And a lot of times I'll give them a scripture, you know. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've, I've given a kid a scripture about anger, you know. Soft answer turns away wrath. The harsh word stirs up strife. And I'm, I'm just pleading with them. Like, guys, this is the way to life. They don't care. I'm not all of them, but what I'm saying is there, there are people and there are adults that way. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in my office and, and we're trying to help somebody. And, and I, I'm, I'm just saying, hey, listen, this way of living leads to destruction. This way of living leads to life. Please, you, you got to go this way. I'll help you. Our church will help you. They don't care. Not all of them. But again, there's, there's, that's, that's, that's the people he's talking about here. Those whose hearts are closed up. It's like, man, I, look, I need some food. I need some help with my electric. I need this or that, but I, I don't care about this other thing. I just don't care. That's a fool. When your heart opens up to wisdom, you, don't, you know what happens? You value it. This is one of my favorite little sections in Proverbs. Proverbs 3.13. You ready? Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain, there's a lot of business words here. There's a lot of profit words here. Are you ready? The gain from her is better than the gain from silver. Her profit is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels. And then here it is. There's a song about this. And nothing you desire compares with her. Man, nothing you can conjure up in your mind that you might want compares to the benefit to you practically of wisdom. That's how valuable it is. Keep reading there. Next verse, 16. Long life's in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and her paths are paths of peace. Nothing you desire compares. The return you get from knowing God's heart and becoming like Christ, from acting in wisdom, the, the, the benefit of, of skillfully navigating a marriage conflict the benefit of skillfully navigating the relationships in your life, the benefit of skillfully navigating how to handle money, how to handle great wealth or poverty, this, the benefit of skillfully handling those things is incredible. That's what he's saying. Nothing you desire compares to that. 
But you will never get there if you don't fear the Lord. Some of you are like, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, there's some people you tell them they'll never get there. They're like, oh, yeah. I'm going to read Proverbs a thousand times. And I'm going to memorize every word of it. Well, that's great. I hope you do. But if you don't fear the Lord, you will not get there. Because in that moment of crisis, in that moment of difficult circumstance, when you need that truth, you won't love wisdom because you don't fear God. See, it's only by the fear of God. But once you value wisdom, once you believe, hey, there's nothing, nothing I desire that can compare to this, then you, then you know what? I mean, you're on a mission to get it, all right? You're, you're going to get it. Look at, look at Proverbs 4, 7. This is a funny verse. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. <laughs> Isn't that great? Get it. All right? And he says it again. He says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you do, get it. Get insight. You see, you see, I love the way that's structured. Chapter 1. The only way your heart opens is through the fear of the Lord. Okay? Once you have the fear of the Lord, then you value it. You value it. You prize it highly. And once you prize it highly then you get it. You go after it. You seek it. You pursue it. How? I don't know. You're going to do it probably different than other people are going to do it. I, I, here's how I know Billy Graham did it. If, if I remember right, I'm pretty sure I got the right guy. I believe he's the one that we got the idea from. We did this the last two Julys. But he read a chapter of Proverbs for every day of the month. So today's June 9th, Right? So you would read Proverbs 9. He did that for years. I've known a lot of people that did that. Here's the benefit of that. When you read those verses of wisdom over and over and over again, first of all, you're in a different place. Did you know that you're going to be dealing with something different Tuesday than you do today? And you're going to be dealing with something different the next Friday than you do Tuesday. And so the benefit of just having that continual flow of wisdom, that heart of God. Man, when, you, when your heart is open to God and you really want to know, God, how do I live? God, how do I talk to people? How do I relate with people? How do I value money? How do I think about debt? How do, how do, I, how do I navigate conflict? Man, when, when you embrace the truth of God in that, that has great fruit. I want you to have it. You should ask for it, by the way. You should saturate your mind with it, and you should ask for it. In James, I told you James was uh, the New Testament equivalent to Proverbs. But in James, it says this about wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Ask him, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. You see, that's the equivalent of Proverbs 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. James says, if you don't ask in faith, if you don't come to God in a posture of faith, you see how important it is how you come to God? How you read the Scriptures? God, you won't get it if you come pridefully, if you come just wanting to use God. You, you, know, what, you know what a lot of folks want? They want answers for their marriage, and they want answers for their parenting, and they want answers for their money, but they don't fear God. It's like, God, just give me an answer. Just tell me what to do here, God, but I, I am really not in awe of you. You'll never get it. You'll never get there. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of instruction, of wisdom. It's going to be a great journey, isn't it? I'm looking forward to these next two months. I love it. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for uh, the start of this journey through the book of Proverbs. And God, I pray that we would get wisdom. God, I pray that whatever we do, we'd get it. God, that we would 
we would value it and prize it and cherish it more than gold or silver or anything our heart desires. And Father, that we would, we would run hard after, after the truth that you give. And Father, I pray that you just prepare our hearts for that. God, give us a healthy fear of you. God, that we would we'd be afraid of running away from you and that we'd be diligent about running to you. God, please, please make that happen in us. God, I ask it in Christ's name.